0: Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight, pre-existing conditions. It's not exactly what you think, but we're talking about the pre-existing conditions prior to COVID-19 invading America's prisons. What does that mean? The conditions of the prison system in this country were broken a long time ago. We're going to deal with the pre-existing conditions that caused COVID to make its way through America's prisons. Folks, hang on to your seat. This is AJC Radio. We take off right now.
1: Well,
0: and there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks, along with David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Snapson Riddle, William Williams, Clinton Stewart. Dennis Merritt and Cliff Stewart and the entire AJC radio team tonight as we dig into the final series, part of our series, the COVID-19 invading America's prisons, but we take a deeper look. How is it, and maybe someone can answer this question for me, the American people, the American system felt as if that uh, we were in a situation where why are people not responding to COVID-19 in the prisons? Is it not likely that the bottom line is we have never cared about the incarcerated in this country? We have never concerned ourselves. And that goes from the Bureau of Prisons in Washington, D.C., and every state prison in the United States that deals with issues of treating inmates as second-class citizens, in this case, maybe third- or fourth-class citizens, that their lives really don't matter. We're going to deal with that tonight, folks, and understand accountability will be placed at the feet of those that deserve it. And that goes from the governor's offices across this country to the executive directors of the Department of Corrections in each state, and the Bureau of Prisons continues to fail after fail after fail and not showing any concern uh, about the welfare of these inmates. We're going to dig into all of that tonight. Feel free, ladies and gentlemen, to dial into the show at 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628. Kendrick, when you hear this, as far as what we're talking about, we're going to hear a little bit uh, from, the former, from the RP5 who saw some conditions in a camp uh, title facility that you would think you would not have any of the issues we're going to dig in tonight. Kendrick, give us your thoughts on that no, and this... why this
2: subject is so important. Well, that's not shocking at all. I mean... During our time in Florence, uh, we actually saw gentlemen suffer a heart attack and die. Not one uh, correctional officer would do any sort of recitation on on the uh, on the individual. Other inmates had to get in there and put do CPR and fight for this man's life. It, it was so it's not shocking because they, they they treated him as because he's an inmate, he must have some sort of communicable disease. Almost it was like he wasn't. He, well, he was dirty. And this was a man's life that, that he, he – I don't think he had, like, maybe a few years of prison left, but he didn't go there for death sentence. He didn't go there to not receive health care that was supposed to be his, his right. I mean, once, once, you, once you incarcerate an individual, that that uh, uh, government is responsible for that individual's health care. But they basically do everything they could to cut corners. There were not any defibrillators or any sort of first aid kits handy, that after he died and they knew they might get a lawsuit, then all of a sudden defibrillators and first aid kits were made available to the public. So that I'm not shocked at all. This doesn't surprise me in one bit. Well, too little, too late.
0: And the bottom line is, is that this facade that is put up by institutions across this country is a disgrace to the to the people of this country. And whether you, why you put a uniform on and go to your job, as I don't care if you're a warden, the buck stops there. The assistant warden, the buck stops with you. To the governors of these states who oversee Department of Corrections, that's being all facilities within the state. And not only dealing with that, you're dealing with county jail. How people were treated and body bags began to be filled in county jail when someone was awaiting their day in court. This is a pattern of abuse. So let's talk about that. Why is it that people are so shocked that the COVID-19 didn't bring people together because they were not brought together before COVID-19? And had they been held accountable and, and done what should have been done and monitored about what they were doing and their behavior and all these things, body bags wouldn't be filled right now. There would have been sanitized conditions The same way they sanitize these prisons, clean them, mop them, scrub the walls, make sure it's clean when there's an inspection coming, should be the everyday process for a prison where human lives live. We're going to deal with all of that. Folks, again, uh, feel free to uh, to dial into the show, 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628, and we take off and we take a dig in this conversation, I guarantee you. It's going to be a shocker. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back.
3: All a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration we spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation, costs less, and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice.
1: And
0: we need your help. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. against wrongful convictions. Call or just calls today, one 529 4252 We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are
4: our future. You must have thrown a thousand pitches teaching him to hit a home run. Spent countless Saturdays running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless
5: afternoons teaching him how to hit the three pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit. Teaching boys that all
4: violence against women is wrong
5: is one of the most important
4: things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org, brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council.
6: I'm a mother. I'm a father. I'm a sister. A registered nurse. I serve my country in the United States military.
7: I'm your neighbor. I sit
8: next to you at church.
6: And my child was arrested, held in custody. Questioned without my knowledge.
8: Exposed to violence.
6: Witnessed a rape. Placed in solitary confinement. Unable to call or see me. Shackled to a wall.
8: Beaten.
9: Sentenced as an adult at age 17. Sentenced as an adult at age 16. Sentenced as an adult at age 15. He felt lost. Isolated. Ostracized. Uh Misjudged. Terrified.
10: And in the absence of all hope, my child took his own life. then I found the Alliance for Youth Justice. They gave me the support and resources to get through one of the most difficult times in my life.
9: Now I know I'm not alone.
11: And neither are you.
12: Now we have a voice. Now we
9: We have power.
11: power. In numbers. In numbers. In numbers. We we can can make it.
6: There are approximately 2 million children in the juvenile and criminal justice system in this country. These are the faces of those families. If you are the family member of a child who has been in the justice system, or if you are someone who supports this movement and is ready to make a difference, visit the Campaign for Youth Justice at www.campaignforyouthjustice.org. Say goodbye to affordability and say hello to losing control. Discover Price Gougasol, the latest outrageously expensive drug from Big Pharma. It's impossible to afford and reverses the ability to pay other bills. Because drug companies raise prices to pay for commercials like this one, Side effects may include overdrawn bank accounts, bad credit scores, higher health care costs, children who don't get Christmas presents, and in some cases, the need to stop taking your medicine. If you experience any of these side effects, contact your financial advisor right away. Out-of-control drug costs are no joke. Yet nine of the ten biggest pharma companies spend more on advertising than research and development. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit csrxp.org.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight, as we are pretty on ground that is very difficult to navigate through. Tonight, we deal with pre-existing conditions in the prison system. And the question that's being asked all across the country is, how and why did COVID-19 invade prisons on the level that it did? The bottom line and the clear answer is that the prison system of this country was simply not ready. Not because they didn't have the ability to be ready. They chose to continue to treat inmates as worthless animals. Conditions so inhumane that it would boggle the mind. Pre-existing conditions that cost the lives of inmates and staff in an alarming rate. Tonight we have the discussion and we deal with why does our prison system continue to sanction abuse, killing, torture, cruel and unusual punishment? Why and where are the voices that refuse to call out these actions in America's prisons? We deal with COVID-19, one of the most deadliest uh, viruses that we've seen in a while. Why the loved ones of those incarcerated suffer excruciating pain of of horror and terror as they hear that their loved ones has simply passed away and those lives could have been saved. We're going to get into all of that tonight. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story of Darren Rainey, who died in a scalding prison shower eight years ago, lost his life for one reason, a preexisting condition of cruelty. Let's play the clip.
13: Welcome to World's Best Videos, we've compiled the list of the craziest prison abuse stories. Let's get into it. Psychological Abuse Richard Mayer was locked up in Dade Correctional Institute Mental Health of September 2013. Mayer hung himself. In his suicide note, he accused prison guards of punishing inmates with starvation. The officers also forced them to fight and placed bets on the winners. Mayer also claimed sexual assaults by prison employees. He said that one asked Mare to strip out of his clothes and touch himself in exchange for cigarettes. Mare had been raped in the past. In his suicide note, he claimed that the officer also knew it. Mare suggested that he was in the mental health unit to get help for his depression and suicidal tendencies, all of which were worsened by recent sexual assault. He was slammed against the wall when he refused to get advice from the lieutenant, then told to keep his mouth shut ignoring cries for help. Rick Martin was incarcerated in Florida's Santa Rosa Correctional Institution. After a few hours, prison workers forced Martin into a cell with an inmate known for getting into violent altercations with others. He was found dead. In March 2012, guards had found Rick beaten to a pulp. He was found with the skull smashed and his body was black and blue. Apparently he had been restrained and strangled with ribbons of torn fabric. The scrubs that Martin wore were soaked in blood and pulled over his head, maybe indicating rape. He begged to be moved to a new cell out of fear for his life. There were witnesses that the report hearing the screams and the thuds. There is evidence that the inmate Sean Jiggeman Rogers had used a sock stuffed with batteries. The same witnesses recall that Rogers had jumped on Martin's head multiple times smashing it into the concrete floor. Despite the repeated cries for help, the prison staff failed to respond until it was too late. Inmates pleaded with officers to assist Martin during the attack. Video taking during the incident shows a guard glancing inside the cell during the attack but ultimately refusing to come to Martin's aid. Scalding showers. It all started with a shower. In 2012, Darren Rainey, who was schizophrenic, had defecated in the cell. Harriet Kurkowski, a former counselor at the Dade Correctional Institution, asked the guard how they were going to deal with rainy. The guard calmly assured her, Oh, don't worry, we'll put him in the shower. The counselor thought it was a good thing. Krakowski learned that the guards had locked Rainey in a small stall and showered him by force with a hose. Only the guards not rainy were able to control the water temperature. Prison authorities boiled Darren Rainey to death when they were forced him to take a two-hour shower in scalding water that was 82 degrees Celsius. The water was hot enough to cook ramen soup. Due to the shower was so small, there was nothing Rainey could do to escape the scalding water. Inmates reported that Rainey had screamed for help during the two-hour torture session. Rainey who was serving a sentence for cocaine possession and non-violent offense was cooked like lobster. According to Rainey's fellow inmates, Rainey was not the first person who had been locked in the shower under these conditions. However, he was the first to die.
0: Well, there you have it. William, we were talking, doing this clip, uh, in regards to Mr. Rainey's torture. Um... No charges were filed against these officers.
4: Uh, And again,
0: talking about a pre-existing issue, the story goes further to say that the officers actually laughed as Darren Rainey screamed for his life, screamed for someone to help him, and the controller of the temperature was raised by these guards. Now, if you know anything about being put in a shower... Uh, in, in a situation that you're in custody, you step in the shower, handcuffed. They then allow you to put your hands through a sliding opening slot to unhandcuff you to shower, which means there's no exit out that door except the guards let you out. And again, this raises the question that we've talked about, and you remember, William, we had, I believe, Darren Rainey's brother on the show and the outrage of this man's death, they showed this man's skin that scolded off of his body. It was so hot and they piled one of the inmates piled the skin of this young man into his into his boot. That's right. That's how quick the skin left this man's body. Someone tell me the culture that we live in that you would allow a man to be tortured and killed in such a horrific way. I believe it was for a half an ounce, if that, of cocaine, which his brother did not, his brother never did drugs, but he had some mental limitations. You killed this man, and we have people crying out, well, why are we not reacting to COVID? The culture is murder in the prison system. So for a pandemic to come along and take life, this this is business as usual.
5: Well, I think I think what we need to understand about that story is that they created a torture chamber for this man. They created it, and they said, they said in that in that clip right there, that they used this often. Darren Rainey was the first one to die from. When you talk about it is so confined that you can't escape the water, that tells you how close that is. I mean, something like you can imagine something like a broom closet, something like that, just just big enough for a, a human to fit in. But basically, there is no escape from the water. And then they, and then the story. Uh, his brother was talking about how they had. It was another room right beside it where they actually had the control to turn the water up. And when you look at this, now you look at look at all that. Plus, this man had suffered was suffering from schizophrenia. His brother had said that he didn't belong there. You know, he needed he needed a facility to help his mental condition. And we've we've had shows we've talked about how the prisons are not set up to handle any kind of health-related or mental mentally challenged situations. These guys are guards, and you could and 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 we talked about their training, what they're tra- what they're trained to do. They're not trained to adequately handle people that are are struggling with mental conditions or health conditions.
0: Well, the issue is, and and in, in any type of incarceration in county jail or prison. Nobody takes a two hour shower. That's true. Especially controlled movement. Says here, eight years ago, Florida prison guards locked 50 year old Darren Rainey inside a shower room, set the water temperature to scalding hot and turned it on. Roughly two hours later, Rainey collapsed and died inside that three by eight foot uh, and a half foot room. After a five year investigation, Miami-Dade State Attorney Catherine fernandez Rondo chose to not charge any of the corrections officers with a crime. So, that is the culture of our problem. This particular attorney, Catherine Fernandez, for the state, should have been prosecuted because you're complicit in the death of this man. David, your thoughts?
3: (coughs) Well... The
11: the issue continues. I don't think people truly understand. You see it every day in the way people treat those, even people out of prison and felons in this country, as if uh, they have this, uh, they deserve this perpetual punishment that even occurs after prison. Uh, I was looking at an article done by a district attorney for Arapahoe County 18th uh, District, in uh, Colorado, uh, George Brockler. And he gaslights the issue first by saying that Polis is prioritizing uh, prisoners over law-abiding citizens. Well, these are all people, first of all. And with the understanding that people in prison cannot get away. They're going to be in, in close quarters, but this guy get. Uh, uh, Rockler gaslights the issue first by saying, uh, well, Polis wants to prioritize inmates over law-abiding citizens, the elderly. Then he tries to say, of course, then he tries to backtrack and says, of course, people who have earned their way into the prison deserve humane treatment. But as a prosecutor, these these guys are some of the worst, uh, most... uh, despicable people you ever meet when it comes to how people should be treated uh, in prison. Uh, and he, and he, he makes the statement they should get it after the more at risk. group. Who's more at risk than people in prison? And secondly, uh, there are eld- a lot of elderly people in prison. So why weren't they automatically right. put on the list? Yeah. But it, it's just consistent with, with the entire self-righteous uh nature of, of the United States and the way they treat uh, anybody. And, uh, and it was Nelson Mandela who said you can, you can uh, tell the character of a nation by the way it treats its worst citizens, uh, in essence, the way it treats its prisoners. The United States uh, is just way low on the list for having character in the way they treat their citizens. They lock up, there's nearly 77 million people in this country with felonies and 25% of the world's population, prison population is here in the United States. There's nothing that can be saying positive about the United States when it comes to dealing with uh, pris- prisons and prisoners.
0: Well, the, the actions of this attorney uh, for the state, Catherine fernandez uh is exactly the poster child of why we are not prepared as a nation, because we allow these people to stay in positions to continue abuse to these human beings. These are human beings. And this is Miami-Dade, which has a long record from what we've gone over over the years on this show of severe abusive behavior with no no accountability done. And they say here that the temperature was turned up to 180 degrees. How do you sit back and hear this young man scream for his life and for what? And they're standing outside the the shower laughing. This attorney, uh, State Attorney Captain fernandez Rundle, should be, I mean, when I tell you brought up on charges, the reason it's easy for her to not bring charges because they are all one and the same.
1: Right.
0: That's the bottom line. That is the culture here. She shouldn't have a job. She should be in handcuffs. And charged with an accessory to murder. If I take anybody into my home and just decide to turn the boiler up to 180 degrees while they scream and die and not let them out, I promise you, that's not going to take five years for me to be prosecuted. I'll be put under the jail for it immediately. An outrage would be all all over the media. How could you do this to someone? This is a tragedy. Where's the tragedy to the inmates that suffer the same type of abuse and nothing happens? But you want us to believe in this system? There is no system of justice. This is the clear poster child of that.
8: Samson. Yeah, just as we're going over this and talking about that, I mean, I'm, I'm reading an article here where it says that Given the pervasive nature of this system, that it's inevitable that sick and evil minds are attracted to positions of power and authority. And we've seen it time and time again displayed here where just because a person, we've even, we've even stated it, they won't even be convicted or even outright charge it. They'll be sitting there in some county lockup and they suffer the exact same type of abuse. They'll go through, I mean... Horrific tra- travesties. I mean, if this was an isolated incident, that might be one thing. But we have story after story after story of unsanitary conditions, overcrowding. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here reading about how in, back in 2009, California ordered tens of thousands of inmates to be released because it is the only way to prevent what they stated as a pervasive account of suicide and harm to these inmates' lives. That's the only way that they could prevent it. That's not the only case. Illinois, just a few years later, they were they were set to be at 33,000 inmates. They were at 49,000. We're talking about 150% capacity. Over. 150% capacity. These are just two instances. There's more cases as far as Alabama, Mississippi, Texas. They're all across this nation, and it is...
0: It's long before the pandemic.
8: Exactly. We're talking about a decade before the pandemic even hit.
0: So that tells you is that... Had these systems, if you will, these institutions, been held accountable long time ago, I promise you the pandemic would not have taken the lives that it took within our prison system. There is no way. And if you know a pandemic, let me tell you something. There is room in these institutions to separate people. That's why you have solitary confinement. That's what they call the whole, to keep people safe, if they chose to and still treat them as if they're in general population. You know why? I've been there. I know how that works. So don't tell me, oh, we we, we couldn't get it done. You
11: chose not to get it done.
4: You chose not to. Dave Well, When you look at everything that these prison guards do, when I was slaving at the ADX, you would hear prison guards lament the fact that they couldn't torture an inmate. When you see that they're going to extract an inmate from a cell that won't leave and they're going to throw in two tear gas grenades to get him out in a 7 by 11 cell and then at the last minute the inmate goes out before they can do it and the, the prison guards are upset about it, that's, that's over the top. I mean, I was at the, when I was at the ADX, they were talking about an inmate that would eat razor blades, cut himself, cut pieces of his body off because he was losing his mind, and they would do nothing about it. They are like, oh, here he goes again. He probably swallows some more razor blades. It's like, again? Again? This is too much. It's too
0: much, without question. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of the break, we're bringing our first guest we're honored to have, Anela D. will be joining us on this program to give her perspective. The show is called "Preexisting existing Conditions of America's Prisons that Caused COVID to Spread out of control. Tonight, we focus on one point, the pre-existing condition that has been going on so long in our prisons across this nation and our county jails. Inexcusable. You must hold those who are responsible accountable. This is AGC Radio. We'll be right back.
5: We have a big problem and we need your help. It's
9: happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters,
2: our wives, and our friends.
9: It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop.
7: We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent,
8: it's rape, it's assault.
9: It's a crime. It's wrong.
8: If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it.
10: Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in
12: cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a Just Cause with a monthly, annual or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a Just Cause at 855 855- 529 4252, or visit a justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall.
7: The United States houses more human beings in prisons than any other country in the world. This is true whether you're counting total numbers or in relation to population size. This wasn't always the case. The number of prisoners in the U.S. began to rise dramatically in the 1970s. So what changed in America compared to other countries? While there are several competing theories, a look at the data reveals that a significant part of the prison growth in the last 40 years has been driven by the war on drugs. Here's the data. By 1980, there were over 315,000 prisoners in state and federal facilities. 57% were violent offenders. 30% were property violators such as thieves or those convicted of fraud. 5.5% of inmates were in for public order and other miscellaneous offenses and the remaining 7.5% were nonviolent drug law violators. Ten years later, the drug war had grown, and the total American prison population had more than doubled to over 740,000 inmates. The proportion of offenders in each type of crime had also changed dramatically. The most growth occurred in the nonviolent drug offender population, which grew to a significant 24%. And this last statistic actually understates the influence of the drug war on prison populations. Many studies have shown that drug prohibition causes violent crime by leading to the formation of gangs and cartels. And thus it is safe to say that the number of violent criminals under prohibition is higher than it would otherwise be. From 1990 to 2000, the drug-driven population growth continued. By 2000, the total prison population had almost doubled again to over 1.3 million inmates. And by 2010, the prison population was up to 1.6 million people. The growth has started to settle and even decline in recent years, but the proportions of offenses are retaining their post 1990 levels. America's unique methods of enforcing drug prohibition seem to parallel its unique prison population. And one has to ask, is our country really better off with so many nonviolent drug offenders behind bars? Are drug users likely to be cured from addiction by being locked up? Has locking up dealers and users lessened the demand for drugs? Certainly, the effects on overall usage could not be called a success. And yet we spend billions every year on this war and lock up hundreds of thousands. Surely, there must be a less costly approach to addressing drug use in America.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we deal with pre-existing conditions of America's prisons that contributed to the outbreak of COVID-19 in a level beyond anyone's comprehension. And what we're focusing on tonight is the conditions that have been in place for many, many years: the abuse of inmates, the no-care attitude by wardens and state uh, officials, uh, failure by the Bureau of Prisons who. Uh, are scrambling around when the pandemic hits because the conditions in most of these prisons are horrific. They're inhumane, uh, not even fit to live in, but they have human beings uh, in these prisons and in these conditions. That's why thus pre-existing conditions causing a major problem in this nation. Uh, Right now, we are very, very happy to bring on our show Anala D., current member of the National Incarceration Association in Georgia, She volunteers as a conflict mitigation and personal interactive rehabilitation development assistant. Uh, She has always been an advocate for the disenfranchised, and she has served as the president for Troop County NAACP and the national chair for women in the NAACP in Alabama, and it goes on and on. She definitely brings a clear perspective to this show. Anala, are you with us?
10: Yes, I am. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I don't know how much of this show you've heard thus far. We are very excited to hear your perspective. As uh, Again, the title is is rightfully placed as pre-existing conditions, and we're not talking about medical issues necessarily, but the condition of our prison system, uh, the conditions that really gave COVID-19 an open door to do damage in our prisons, and we're going to get your thoughts on that. Introduce yourself to our guests. And tell us a little bit more about your thoughts on this very important topic.
10: Well, I have been listening to your show, and uh, I've heard the conversation regarding the prisons, and and they are absolutely right. I am not just a person who uh, is on the outside and can talk about prison conditions based on what I've read, but I was actually inside the prison myself. I was sentenced to 50 years, do serve 20 to the door for a non-violent uh, offense. My family and I fought for my freedom, and I am. Uh, served two years and, and was released, but that was a hard fight. But let me tell you something. Yeah. You're absolutely right. The conditions, the conditions of prison are, are terrible. I mean, you have the mole on the wall. I mean, even in the showers, you have all the moles. Those are pre-existing conditions where if you were to go into a home and saw conditions like that, you would not live in those conditions. But yet we have people in prisons that have no choice but to live every day in very, very deteriorating uh, conditions, the walls, the, the, the mold and the, and the vents, the water is not good. It, and the list just goes on and on and on, and it just continues to worsen.
0: No, no, without question, Anala. And here's what's concerning to me, and I'm, I'm grateful that you were able to uh, fight the good fight and uh, ultimately being released. I wanted you to share that. That's why I didn't share it at the, at the onset. But uh, and refusing to take a plea when you know what you, you haven't done anything wrong. That's a no-no That's in the right. system today. You know what I mean? If let's go, they they use the term in in the industry, I'm taking it to the box. Uh, That means, look, there's no plea you can put on the table because I'm not guilty because you know what? We all live by this uh, uh, delusion that, well, if you didn't do anything, you have nothing to worry about. That's absolutely not the case. And it sounds like you live that. no, 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 for sure. So, let me get your thoughts really quick. Some of our other hosts are going to, are going to talk to you and get involved. But again, thank you for joining us tonight. When we begin to run down the, the conditions in these prisons, as, as David was talking about, uh, society, the media, uh, uh, really uh, going to the fact that, you know what, who cares? You know, these people are locked up and we need to worry about our elderly and the most at risk people during this pandemic. But in reality, because as you said as well, the preexisting conditions in these prisons, that's a, that's a red carpet opening to COVID or to any other pandemic in the, this country, right? Can you Absolutely. tell me in your opinion, in your opinion, what do you think and why are people not being held accountable for this type of behavior? Well,
10: I believe your that, God. and you know, I'm working with the, working with the NIA, one of the things that I've found, and, and this is what we are now helping to train our family members to do, and that is to make your state representatives work. You know, they, get these, they, they, they are elected into these positions. The warden is, is an employee. You have other people that are employees, but then you have people that are elected. Those people are supposed to work for you. So now we're saying we're going to put the pressure on them. We're teaching families. To go and, and when, you know, we have a, I have a, a, a client today that they have, a, they have diabetes. And, well, they develop diabetes in the system because of the poor nutrition that they get in the system. So we're teaching those families to go and, and, and make your state representative talk to that warden, talk to that prison, because now, because of COVID, they're using the excuse so they won't even call the families back. So we are now taking it to the next level and talking to the state representatives and making them get involved and get something done. Nobody cares. I I mean, the people that are elected don't care.
0: No, exactly right on that.
10: Uh, And here's what I
0: was thinking about. And uh, there was a situation where I did seven years in the state of Colorado state prison for a crime I never committed case was overturned by the court of appeals. Uh, I was retried, found not guilty on all charges. But this is what happens. Probably about a year after I was out, I heard from some people that I knew there. Now, they used to have what they called diet trays. Uh, These were for people that had diabetes. They had certain things they had to eat to stay alive. They just couldn't eat off of the regular uh, prison food that was being served. And he called me. He said, Lamont, I want to tell you something. He said, they have canceled all dietary trays. And we're told that, yeah, and that that was here in prisons here in the state of of Colorado. And he said, I said, well, how can they do that? Because he said, well, they they put a sign up saying no more dietary trays will be served. Uh, You have to eat whatever everybody else is eating. Well, as a diabetic, you're a dead man, period. And if you're looking for commissary, if you're looking for commissary to fix the problem, I promise you, there's absolutely nothing healthy on commissary uh, grocery shopping list, if you will. It is it is the worst stuff you could ever eat. But these, again, nobody held them accountable. Nobody called and said, look, we cannot do this. This is, I believe, it is a, a a type of arrogance, I believe, that feels like, you know what, we can do what we want. Nobody's going to touch us. We shouldn't well, have anything you
10: know, th- at that level. That's, go ahead. That's right. I was just going to mention to you, one of the things, you know, when you go back and you say, what, you know, what's causing this COVID-19 and pre-existing conditions and all that, Think about this: the correctional institutions, as you probably already know, they are exempt from the current federal guidelines that are aimed at protecting people uh, in in the prisons. And and of course, the the, the people that work inside the prisons, they are all exempt from that. So therefore, they're not required to provide hand sanitizer because you know they're, they're exempt from all that. They're not required to provide masks because they're all exempt from that. So you have people that have pre Existing conditions like diabetes and things like that—they they're just dying in there. And you know they they have, they've reported the death toll, but I would suspect that it's a lot more than what's being reported. I get calls almost every day through the NIA, someone telling me their roommate died, and then they weren't uh, tested, and, and and the conditions in the prisons are bad. They're not getting uh, their food. Die- people who are diabetic, are not eating on time. They're, they're cutting their meds in half because they don't have enough meds to give them. Why aren't they being held accountable? Because people are not making them be held. They, they, we got to speak out. We got to tell the state representatives. We got to get in front of the cameras. We got to say something. We can't. And people are afraid, too. They're afraid that if they say something, then their loved one that's inside of the prisons are going to be treated uh, uh, they're going to get beat up. And that happens as well. So everybody's afraid to say something because they think it's going to make it worse for their loved ones. That's another
0: well, problem. And Here's what's crazy. Uh, another, a couple of our hosts want to ask you a question too. But how is it that a prison or state facility is exempt from masks when the nation it, in the uh, is the CDC guidelines says you need to wear one? Well, by the way, the prisons don't worry about it. You have more right. crowded space in prison. But out here in the free world, you have to put a mask on at, at sporting events, as you saw last year. Uh, a lot of sporting events had to have masks. Coaches have masks on the side. But you're telling me we can cram human beings into a place uh, tighter than sardines are put in a can. Oh, by the way, don't worry about your mask. Don't worry about your That's social right. distancing. That is That's completely right. in. Sane if I've ever heard that. Uh, Dave, um, go ahead if you have a question for Nawa.
4: Well, you were talking about how these prisons, they don't really care about the medical facilities that are in those prisons, the, for the people that need to have these um, th- any type of medical care. And you see over and over again that inmates are dying because of lack of medical care. You're seeing that the medical care is so lacking that – when COVID came in, I said, okay, we'll take a temperature and we're good to go. If, you, if your temperature isn't high, um, we're, we're going to let you go. And even if it is high, they'd still let you go. What do you see? Is, is there any way of changing this, going to third-party uh, medical facilities, going to third-party care? What, what can be done?
10: Well, what, I, what I've discovered when I was there, that they were using third-party medical care. And that became a problem as well. As a matter of fact, I, won't, I will not call the, the name of the prison, but they had the doctor who, who was a third party who wasn't even licensed, who had lost his license in another state and had come to Georgia and was practicing inside a yeah. prison, and no one had done the check. So there were people dying. They were, In fact, a uh, uh, Atlanta General Constitution picked up the story because there were so many deaths within that prison because the doctor was not doing a good job. I don't think that works if the, if the state is going to outsource that, then they must oversee it. And they weren't doing that. So that that oh. could be a problem as well.
0: Yep. That is un- absolutely believable. You have a doctor that is not even licensed. Okay. Yes. Did you do the background if he killed somebody in the other oh, state he was at? Yeah. <laughs> That's <No>.
2: unbelievable.
1: <laughs> Anala, uh, no,
2: I'm truth. gonna play a clip. Hey, uh, no, I'm gonna Hey just real quick, Mike. Yep. This is Kevin Barnes. You know, they'll give they'll give uh, more penalty to a veterinarian who works on your dog and isn't licensed. And they treat humans like, you know, we don't care. I mean you're gonna get a guy that's not even supposed to be practicing medicine to get in there and provide health care to inmates. That's just insane. Well, absolutely right. That's right. right. Uh,
0: uh, Anala, I'm gonna play a clip for you real quick. This has happened and then we talk about not only the prisons but the county jails The treatment of those that have not even been convicted, they're just simply waiting for their day in court. I want to play this clip for you about this young man. It's a tragic story. I want to get your thoughts on the other side of this clip. Let's play it. The most tragic clips I've ever had to pull for a show. This man is begging for his life here. He can't breathe. He's in county jail. I, on the video, I saw them throw him in the shower. You heard his phrase, I'm sorry. Not because he'd done anything, he was scared to die. That is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And again, we go back to the culture that anybody in authority has allowed this to happen. Then at the end of it, you pick him up and say, help him to his feet. You've killed this man. Because within 10 minutes of going back to his cell, he is dead Mm. in county. That is
10: troubling. Your thoughts, Amala? That is very troubling to, to see that. But the, I, I've, I've seen that over and over and over again. Uh, I, there was a female in lockdown. Lockdown is, in, is, is where, you know, you're not isolated because there's still a lot of people there. You're just in a little tiny cell. And sometimes they put someone else in there with you. Well, you take this young lady to the shower who already has some underlying conditions. You hear her, you hear this big thump, but the officers are already pissed at her because she has some mental challenges and they didn't want to be bothered. So they don't go check on her. They finally go check because the shower is running and running and running, and they find that she has fallen and hit her head and now she is deceased. Nothing was done about that because what they do to people is they will – Call you into the dorm and and, and make and t- say to you that if you say anything, you don't say anything, you don't speak to anybody, you don't you know you don't know what really happened, so don't run your mouth. So everybody's afraid to say what they knew really happened. They talk among themselves, but they don't say it to anyone else. And that's what's happening here. Is I, I believe. Let me tell you something. Until the prisons are able to have video so that people can so on the outside can really see what's going on on the inside you're going to continue to have these problems the only reason we know that some of these things happen is because someone gets a video out there was a video that was released showing how this this male had, had someone had had died and they, the the guards no one came to get that person the they the warden made the individuals in the system carry that person's body out of the cell. So you want to talk about pre existing conditions? They had no business having to do that for someone who had passed away. So that's what it's, and the video was released and that's the only way we found out about it.
5: I I I
10: do
0: not understand. I don't understand.
10: Well, it's, a, it's a lack of imagination. It's a lack of it's a lack of the system having an imagination and the lack of governance. That is the problem. That's why we must vote. we got to vote. You know, those people who are, those state representatives, if they won't do their job, vote them out. There is no reason why you have the same person in office for the last 15, 20, 30 years, and they haven't done anything for you. You need to find out the judges. Who are those judges who are sentencing people to all of this time? Who are those DAs? Who are those state representatives that's not doing anything? We that's how you make a difference. And you vote them out of office, and you get people in the office who will do the job, and you hold them accountable.
0: And until we do that, and I agree on that one hundred percent, the sheriff's departments are over the jails. Hmm. These are innocent. That's right. guilty. these are innocent people, as you you don't do it to the guilty. But let alone you're doing it to the innocent. The deaths that have risen in county custody. Uh, being taken to custody because of an accusation of a crime, they are dying. They are dying. That's right. They never make it to court. They never say, "I'm not me- guilty." That, that's over. That's over the top. Go ahead and. You
10: know, a pre-existing, a pre-existing condition. Just think about this going into. And I, and I remember going into county when I was first detained. County jails are the most disgusting. You you really wanna to get to prison if you gotta go there because they, the, yep. the the county jails are so dirty. In fact, hmm. they they don't even give you now, they don't even give you new underwear. They give you used underwear. They give you used socks. Is that's what they're doing now because they don't have the budget to go out and buy new items and give you new items or they choose not to, so they're giving you used items. So you think about how would that contribute to spreading coronavirus? Hmm. That could contribute to contribute to that, and then you think about all the mold and the the, the dirt on the walls and and I mean they say go take a shower whether well, the shower had water already standing in it. Who wants to take a shower in that? But you have no choice. So those all of those conditions, those are pre existing conditions as it relates to the structure of that prison itself that's causing. Corona to spread more rapidly, notwithstanding the preconditions that people go in with, you know, uh, obesity, high blood pressure, and all those things. How can they, what can they do if they start to just release those with nonviolent offenses? If they do that, they would have enough room for those. I mean, because I'm not saying you don't need prisons, I'm just saying you don't need to have everybody in them. It doesn't make sense to have someone in prison for. Fifteen years for a drug charge or for a nonviolent charge, you haven't right. been there for twenty years. that's ridiculous
0: it's ridiculous and uh
10: David, I think you had a comment
11: yeah no uh thank you for your service. This is real service uh We hear this a lot of time by people, thank you for your service, but not enough people uh actually do service in favor of uh those that are incarcerated, so thank you so much um One thing, you talk about pre-existing conditions, the the culture and the mindset of this nation has got to change. I was wrongly convicted, like you were, spent eight years in prison. And the fact that they don't wanna undo wrongful convictions without uh, going tooth and nail to try to get it undone, it's like the prosecutors and the judges really don't care that someone's been wrongly convicted. And that's a part of the psyche a pre-existing uh psyche that that plagues this country. This country just seems like it's a hang 'em high type of culture. Everybody who commits a crime needs to go to prison. Those who don't commit a crime, they don't really want to do anything about it because they don't want to ruin the image of the prosecutor and the police who brought the charges. it, it, it is, it is a a sick it is a sickness in this nation and the people allow it to be, uh, for some of this stuff to change, they're going to have to, uh, people are going to have to start caring about, and the whole approach to prisons and punishment has got to, has got to change in this country. Now, even in our case, we had a former federal appeals judge, the same one who set free Hurricane Carter. Send Barack Obama a personal letter saying that we were wrongly convicted. He reviewed the entire case and asked him to release us, but Barack Obama wouldn't release us. So, because for some mm. reason in this country, for some reason in this country, the government gets always gets the benefit of the doubt, and and that, I think that's where another major problem with the entire system is: is why does it, why does every citizen always feel like the government's always right? No, mat- no matter what you bring against the government, uh, you can't hardly say the government engaged in misconduct without people. Ah, you're just another uh, sour criminal who got caught. No, these are human beings. They do things wrong, just like other people who are actually in the system who did something wrong. But uh, we we live in th- this country where people, for some reason, just refuse to to just give. The, their, their fellow citizens uh, some credence. And you were talking about the the nutrition. The BOP that they provide three nutritional meals a day. But if you actually and this is on their website, so people actually believe, well, the, and they also tell that they're giving, uh, con, giving good medical care. They're not doing any of those things. Expired food, we saw all the time. There was some turkey in there that smells like sewage when it's cooking. And they're feeding <laughs> this. Right. They, they're they're feeding this stuff to inmates and then uh, presenting to the public that, uh, well, we're doing a great job. And I guarantee you, the, the COVID numbers right now, as far as deaths are concerned, they are much higher because you know, uh, from, from our experience, they did not report every person that died from COVID-19. The numbers could be as, as, absolutely astronomical at this point, uh, be just because of the whole culture in the prison and, and them trying to make themselves appear to be uh, to be these good people that that are that are saving Americans from from America's worst which is simply uh, not 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 the case in most cases. So um I again I just wanted to comment I appreciate your service and thank you so much you uh, for joining a Just Cause today.
10: No problem at all. I'm glad to be here. Let me tell you something. One of the things I decided when I before I even got out I decided that I was going to give back, and I was going to work as hard as I could to help free other people. In my book, I, I you know, when I, when I, before I was released, I was writing my books. I've, I've authored two books since I've been out, and i, and I published posted through my own publishing company. My one of the books I, I wrote was "Screaming from the Inside," and I talk about everything. I talk about the prison conditions and how they treat. People in there, I, I remember, and, and I talk about this in my book. And the mentally challenged people, they treat them so so bad. It was this one lady mm-hmm. who that gave some kind of green uh, laxative. They didn't tell the woman what was going to happen to her, so she is all over the dorm. She is just she can't hold her bowel movement, so she's it's all it's everywhere. And the whole dorm is smelly up. And the guards, you know what the guards do? They locked everybody in the dorm, and they leave and told the individuals in the system, and I never say inmates. I don't say convicts, and I don't say inmates. I say individuals in the system. They left the individuals in the system to clean up after that woman and didn't, and wouldn't is- even give them the right tools and, 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 and uh, the, uh, bleach or anything to get that done with. That's how bad it was. That stench was in the dorm for at least a week.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just,
0: I am blown away the more this show continues, and uh, Naladi, thank you again for your perspective here, but people need to know what's going on. AJC Radio stands as a platform to expose injustice wherever we find it. This is for every person in a situation or in a condition that we have discussed thus far on this show, which is Absolutely horrific. And until I agree with you, uh, and all of that until we raise our voice and not go silent, change will never happen. And I believe this is something that's critically important that we uh, that we address. Uh, right now, I'm going to play a, a thing for you in regards to, uh, you said one moment ago how people are treated. I have a clip I'm going to play this troubling. It's called The Sounds of Solitary Confinement. Mm. I want you to hear it. I'm going to get your thoughts on the other side of this clip. Let's play it. solitary confinement doesn't sound human does it doesn't sound humane in any way this is the culture of our system the culture of our system that causes people to remain silent but we're outraged about everything else where is the outrage for what you just heard we are so honored tonight to have Anala D. What a fresh perspective of this system. A young lady who not only is involved in in, in the trenches of this fight, but has lived this horror herself. And the author of Screaming Inside Incarcerated Journey, Awakening. Uh, got an ebook there, Women and the Journey to the Awakening. We're going to definitely, uh, Alana, Anala, we're going to actually put that on our website for people to to see. Uh, Our social media team will also push that out, that others might be enlightened by your information and what you have lived through. I believe that's what it's all about. Anala, your thoughts?
10: Just listening to the sound, well, thank you very much. First, I'm just so grateful to be on this show to talk about what I have gone through, because it's still fresh in my mind. I was only released in 2019, so it's still fresh, and when I heard the sounds that you just played. It just brought back memories because I remember going out to court and when I came back, because the prisons are so crowded, they didn't have a place for me to go. So I had to go to lockdown and in lockdown, the sounds that you just played are the sounds that I heard people screaming, people knocking on the doors because they would close the little slot where people couldn't even look out. And so you, you can look across and, and people's eyes as you walk through, as I walk through to go be put in a lockdown door uh, room myself, I could see people's eyes trying to peep out the little holes trying to get to see whatever they could see. And, and, and what's happening right now is people are in, I have one client through NIA who has been in lockdown for three months. Now, they've devised a system, and they call this system the tier system. And then this tier system now is allowing them to hold people in lockdown for longer periods of time, and that is not healthy for any human no. being to be locked down that long.
0: No, absolutely right, and that's why you hear what you hear there. Uh, in the places that I was during my wrongful incarceration Again, seven years in the state of Colorado, probably six different prisons. Uh, these people that I heard were banging their heads on the door until they bled yes. to get the attention of yes, that- somebody. And these are guards. Go ahead, and I not mean to interrupt you. Go ahead.
10: No, no, I was just saying yes. You're right. It,
0: it's it's just inhumane. I think we got a caller. Now we're going to see uh, what, what comment they'd like to make regarding the show. Uh, but without okay. question, it's been enlightening. Uh, to all of us as well as I'm sure our listeners across the country. Yeah, we have uh, Vanessa. You have
5: a comment about what you uh, heard tonight. Vanessa, go ahead. You're live.
12: Hi, my name is Vanessa and I am uh, an ambassador for Florida criminal justice reform here in Florida. Um, My husband is currently incarcerated here and, you know, what you guys are speaking about, It's I mean, I, I know it's across the country, but in Florida, our issue, are, I mean, are just as bad. For COVID, we've had over 200 deaths within Florida prison walls. Uh, the, you know, there's no social distancing. The lack of food. I remember when last year during this time, my husband he was getting bologna sandwiches, peanut butter sandwiches for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because the whole uh, incarcerated staff that was working in the food service they all had, uh, they were all quarantined. Uh, and even to date you know the governor has not stated anything about either vaccinating you no know, early release I know in some of the other states that's happened but in Florida none of that has happened um you know they're too focused on you know having a you know anti-protest bill versus you know addressing our loved ones and it's just horrific to see that you know all these deaths could have been prevented but nothing has been done, you know, by upper uh, legislators in, in our state. And it's just sad to hear that, you know, they go through this stuff. And, you know, when they, when they test positive, uh, they go into solitary confinement. So all those, the soundbite that you just played, I mean, you're, you're getting penalized for being sick. Um, and really? last year when my husband, uh, to date he's been quarantined seven times. He has not been tested as of yet, um, and it, last year when this whole epidemic started, the only validating symptom that you had to have was a fever, but he had the no taste, no smell, um, but the guard just dismissed him and just told him, no, you're good, you know, you don't have a fever, so you don't have it, and, um, and then fast forward a year later, and we're over 200 deaths, which I believe is one of the highest in the, sta- in the states. Um, which is just sad. So thank you for, for sounding off and, and for, for putting this out there. I, I don't think that people realize the conditions. You know, prison is supposed to be going to prison is your punishment, not the conditions. Right. In Florida, there's no AC. You know, you think of Florida hot sun. Uh, we have 67 facilities in the state. The majority of them don't have AC during the summer and during the winter months. I know we don't get as cold as other states, but during the winter months, uh, you don't have heat. You have facilities that have, uh, I know of a facility up in the panhandle that they had backed up sewer in the in the dormitories. Um, the, you know, flushing toilets, and then the stories have come out for sexual abuse in our female prisons. You know, the uh, incarcerated individual that was beat by guards at Lake C.I., You know, and that was captured by an illegal cell phone. Yes, but had that not happened, uh, same as George Floyd, you know, we wouldn't have known about it. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. it's just it's just horrific what they go through. Like I said, the punishment is going to prison, not the conditions, the abuse, the mental abuse, the abuse from the guards, the disrespect. Um, You know, I was always taught that you know, you give respect, you get respect, and being a corrections officer shouldn't give you carte blanche. Immunity to just mistreat somebody and I, you know, I always like to quote Nelson Mandela, you know, the, the, the way that you, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember off the top of my head, but, you know, you can tell about a society the way that they treat their incarcerated and uh, anybody that looks at our prisons here in the United States uh, would be have a very low respect for us uh, as a society because of the conditions that we currently have within our prisons.
0: Absolutely. Vanessa, thank you so very much for your comment. Uh, We will be in touch with you online. We want to hear more about what we can do as advocates uh, for your husband. Um, This is very troubling. Uh, It's difficult to even imagine that such
5: horrific
10: acts
0: go on and on and on. Uh, It's a tragedy. It really, really is. We're going to be taking a quick break right now. Uh, Anala, how much time do you got to stay with us?
10: I'm here with you. I'm here. I'm right in the fight with you.
0: Okay. We appreciate that. We're going to be bringing another young lady on, Elizabeth Blackwood. Uh, She's counsel and director for the First Step Act Resource Center at the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. She's going to chime in on this, and I think all of us together, along with the AJC host here and all of our listeners across the United States will have something to talk about tomorrow morning, I guarantee it. Stay with us. This is AJC Radio. Tonight, the topic, pre-existing conditions of America's prisons prior to COVID-19 are outrageous and disgraceful. We continue the discussion on the other side of the break. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% That is a just cause, and we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call one It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously.
11: Won't you join us?
0: Call today.
8: Let's seat. I'll be honest. Your resume, not want to am used I
6: know.
4: Okay, so what would you bring to my company? What do you need? I need a hard worker.
6: Good. I've got two part-time jobs and to help my parents pay the bills. I
2: problem-solving skills.
6: I got through high school without a car, a phone, or a computer.
8: No college degree, though.
6: Not yet, but... Life's taught me a lot, and I'm ready for more.
8: Well, you're not
4: the typical kind of candidate that I hire. But you are exactly what I'm looking for.
3: Your company could be missing out on the candidates it needs most. Learn how to find, cultivate, and train a great pool of untapped talent at gradsoflife.org. There are no loose ends in TV procedural dramas.
9: At the end of the hour, the bad guy always gets what's coming to him. Unfortunately, the real world is a lot more complicated. We know from the work of the Innocence Project and other organizations in the Innocence Network that the system doesn't always get it right. According to the National Registry of Exonerations, since 1989, nearly 2,000 people have been exonerated of crimes they didn't commit. What people don't realize is a good number of those people pleaded guilty to crimes even though they were innocent. In fact, In nearly 10% of the nation's DNA exonerations, people pleaded guilty to serious crimes and agreed to serve significant prison time because the system is stacked against them, especially if they are poor and people of color. That's right. The stakes are so high that we have innocent men and women agreeing to serve long prison sentences. A system that puts that much pressure on people to plead guilty is a problem. Visit guiltypleadproblem.org to learn more about the men and women who are pressured into pleading guilty to crimes they didn't commit. And join us in demanding that our elected officials do something to protect the innocent people who get caught up in a broken criminal justice system. Thank you.
3: You can tell a lot about someone by what they spend their money on, their priorities, their concerns, and their motives. Big Pharma says their top priority is research and development. They say the prescription drug costs are so high because they spend so much on research. But the simple truth is nine out of the 10 biggest pharma companies spend 50% more on advertising than they do on research and development. It's true. Tens of billions more. The more they spend, the clearer it becomes. Big pharma's priorities are more ads, more sales, and higher costs to you. It's time for Big Pharma to get their priorities straight. Americans deserve open and honest prescription drug pricing. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit csrxp.org.
2: I wanted to be in the military since I was a a kid.
5: I served in the United States Air Force.
6: I served a total of 16 years.
5: I was deployed uh, 13 times. On well, my second deployment, four bombs.
4: That hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die.
10: Coming back, I was raging.
7: I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless.
6: I guess I never recognized it in myself.
4: Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody.
2: Don't suffer alone. you got to find that link with somebody, it'll make
8: you let it go.
4: It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that
7: just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back. So you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight is we have really traveled down on a very uncertain road because the answer that needs to be found for the conditions and the pre-existing conditions in America's prisons with a lack of accountability marches on. Tonight we deal with troubling statistics, troubling statements, troubling accounts of abuse and horror. That should haunt the mind of any individual that is privy to that information. Uh, we've been honored tonight to have Anala B., a member of the National Incarceration Association in Georgia, uh, and really a, a author of serious uh, proportions, writing a book, Incarcerated Women and the Journey to Awakening and Screaming from the Inside. Uh, two books, and we're going to get her information that, that we can find out to get as many people to read this book in this publication. Because I'll tell you what, if Anala D's book is as good as this conversation and her perspective on this issue, as we have discussed tonight, it's a must read. And Anala D, thank you so much uh, for coming back with us uh, for this next segment of our show. We appreciate it so very much. No problem. Right now, we're going to bring on into the conversation uh, Beth Blackwood. Uh, she's counsel and director for the First Step Act Resource Center at the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. Uh, I tell you what, she practiced for over 11 years as an assistant federal defender and research and writing attorney at the Federal Public Defenders of Western North Carolina. Uh, where she represented indigent defendants, indigent defendants, excuse me, charged with a wide variety of federal crimes, including drug and firearm offenses, violent crimes, fraud, sex offenses, and so on. And I'll tell you what, she has seen some things in that role, and we're going to definitely hear her perspective tonight. Beth, are you with us?
14: Um, hi, I'm, I'm here. Thank you so much for, for letting me be here and part of this important conversation.
0: Well, thank you so very much. And Anala uh, D is on the. Uh, Panel, if you will, it's a radio panel, but you both are on the panel to discuss this. I don't know how much of the show you've heard thus far. Give us your thoughts at this point.
14: Um, I've heard a little bit, um, and you know, I think it's—I think the the uh, recordings you played were so very powerful because it's one thing to talk about it and and make it abstract, but to actually hear the the voices and the sounds of people and understand the conditions under which they're living. Um, I think it really drives the point home and and makes it no longer hypothetical. Um, So I I just thought it was really powerful um, what you were playing earlier.
0: Good to know. And Beth, as we have, look, the emotions at this table tonight has been uh, uh, very emotional here. We've heard people treated the way they've been treated, and again, why the show is so properly named, pre-existing conditions of our criminal justice system from the jail to the prisons uh, really opened a welcome door to COVID-19 because of people doing what they do uh, and allowing such behavior to go unpunished. Uh, Any of us that would uh, indulge in such behavior uh, that we've seen prisons and wardens and governors simply turn a blind eye to, we would be held to a very high standard of, cr- of really criminal acts. My question to you, Beth, why is the double standard so present here? In Anala, you can comment after she makes makes her her comment. What is going on here? And why are we allowing the Um, Well, you know, I
14: just. I wanted to say the, the bulk of what I've been doing at, at ACDL for the past year um, is I've been working on compassionate release, um, which is trying to get federal prisoners um, out of prison due to COVID-19. Um, and we've been training attorneys, pro bono attorneys, to file motions um, to, you know, to so they can go directly to their sentencing judge and say, this is, you know, I'm really sick, I'm really ill, I'm older, I'm highly vulnerable to COVID-19. Um, and there's there's an outbreak in my facility and I'm, I need to get out. Um, and so we've had some success with that. Um, just you know, for prisoners to use their own voice through an attorney to go to their um, their judges and try to get out. But the thing we've really been focusing on the outbreaks and what's been going on in the prison. and, you know I just when you were talking about that why it really happened. I just wanted to point out that some of the prisons, the federal prisons we've been focusing on, some of them have had, 90% positivity rates in the prison. We're almost 90% of the people, FCI Lompoc in California, and 90% of the people in prison there are positive for COVID 19. And you can never imagine that happening in a, a school, a university, or a town. No one would allow it, but we're letting it happen um, in prisons. Um, and I, I think there is, you know, people want to, it's not what I was saying before about people want to just pretend that. That this is prison, this is what people deserve, and I don't think they fully understand the situation that people are in um, and how horrible it is for them. And maybe they don't want to know. They don't want to know because it is so horrible. It's almost like they put their blinders on um, and they and they won't see it. And I think it's so important as for the media and for attorneys and advocacy groups to not let people look away for them to you know, fully appreciate the horror of what people. In prison, are going through right now.
0: No, absolutely right. Anala, your thoughts?
14: Yes. Um, one of the things that we think about pre
10: existing conditions, and Beth, I just want to say thank you for for, for sharing uh, what, and I'm glad for the work that you are doing to try to get people out on a compassionate release because, you know, I know that the NIA tried to do that with some of the attorneys we work for, and, and the judges here in, in Georgia are still denying. Of people to get out, even when a person went in with, they had all their limbs, and so now they've, they've cut off both their legs and one of their hands and still will not release them on a compassionate release, With I think is just terrible. But let me talk about a, a pre-existing condition that I think is causing a lot of problems, and that is with our Constitution. You know, the amendment, the, the Amendment 13, what it did, it says neither slavery nor involuntary ser- servitude except as a punishment for crime. So, what they're saying here is that you are not a slave unless you go to prison. So, that to me is a pre existing condition that is causing the system. It's a pre existing condition that the system has set up to keep people in prison. They don't care because they look at those that are inside of the prison walls as slaves. So that's why they don't care. I think as long as that is on our books and, tr- and, and, and defining people that go to prison as in servitude, we're going to have a problem with that. We're going to have a problem with this because the Constitution has set out a definition for those who are caught up in, I call it, slave camp.
0: No, no, absolutely right. And, and that continues. Again, I say this all the time, that culture is the key. Culture is the hardest thing to break once it's implemented into a community or a country or a city, state, uh, world, really. When culture takes dominance, man, getting in there, trying to break that culture, it seems to be next to impossible, because the culture is we protect our own. That's the right. culture is these people don't matter. I want to share the story with you ladies. I'm going to get your thoughts on it. Um, before dying of COVID-19, Sterling prison inmate deprived of care, a former resident says, and this is a Gazette-Telegraph uh, story, states here, as he lay in his bunk incapacitated by COVID-19 infection that ultimately caused his death, 86-year-old David Grosset had only his fellow offenders to rely on, a former inmate states. They fed him, they carried him to the bathroom, they cleaned him and changed his sheets when he sold himself, Grosse, a former Air Force chaplain and Colorado Springs retiree, was serving a 10-year-to-life sentence at Sterling Correctional Facility in northern Colorado for child sex offenses record show. Because he didn't develop a fever, prison medical ward administrators declined to bring him to the clinic, leaving him to his cell to suffer worsening symptoms for roughly a week, according to former inmate Damien Graves, who said he watched Grosse's decline in their shared ward for military veterans. We would have to go in there daily and check on him to make sure he was still breathing and wasn't sitting in poop or pee and trying to get him to eat. Graves said he was in a lot of pain, he added. It's unfortunate what he did, child molestation stuff, but he was a human being and he was paying his debt to society like any of us. On May 1st, Grosset died of the illness at Sterling Medical Center in Logan County. His family confirmed he was taken there only after collapsing and hitting his head on a wall days after he had become bedridden and unable to care for himself, Graves said. Now, I say this all the time. There are hundreds of incarcerated innocent people. I don't know this retired Air Force chaplain, nor do I know his story other than what I just read to you. Whether he committed his crime or not, how he suffered and died in that prison is absolutely horrific. Your thoughts, ladies, on this? I'll go with you first, Anala. Uh,
10: that's just that's just terrible. I just, um, you know, I, I just every time I think about it, and I've seen, and I know that they're telling the truth because I've seen occurrences just like that, where the guards, the officers. Would not come out. They made the people inside of the system take care of, of someone who was suffering, someone who could not uh, get out of the bed for themselves. They would not do anything. And you can't. You have to. You have, there's a form that you have to fill out to try to even get to see medical. And most of the time, they tell you that they didn't get the form. So you're sending in a request to see medical over and over and over again while you while the person is laying in the bed, dying. This happens just way, 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 way too much. So I, that's just it just bugs me when I hear stories like that.
0: And Beth, I, I know as I was uh, reading your information, you defended uh, those of sex crimes and things that I wanted to get you the last word on this topic at least. Uh, how troubling is that to you? And I think the statement in the article was clear. He had already been sentenced to 10 years to life, which is an indeterminate sentence. Uh, he, which means he could sit the rest of his life, or if they choose to, they could parole him probably right before 10 years. What is, What are your thoughts on something when you hear that?
14: Well, the first thing I hear is that, or the first thing I think about is that this is not someone who is um, sentenced to a death sentence or, or right. a life sentence, sentenced to a term of years. Um, and even if he had been sentenced to a death sentence, the death he suffered would certainly amount to cruel, cruel, and unusual punishment, um, and would not be allowed. So, the what they have subjected, what what the prison system has allowed this person to be subjected to is so far, in a way, beyond the punishment that was ever intended for him. Um, and and I think it's just breathtaking to think about what someone um, has gone through in their last. And and I think it's also notable. I've heard so many stories of. The, the fellow prisoners being the ones who were helping, banging on um, the bars, banging on the walls, trying to help a, another fellow incarcerated person who was suffering from COVID-19 when they were getting no help from the guards. And, I mean, just the level of, yeah. of humanity and dignity that the prisoners show each other, I think it's, it's just really, that's very compelling to me as well because I've seen that so much.
0: No, no, absolutely, and and I agree with you on that. Uh, I, I remember of a story uh, during my wrongful incarceration. I did seven years here in the state of Colorado for something I didn't do, and I remember we were at the Prison, and a gentleman began to cough up blood, uh, till he filled up the entire lid of the great commercial trash cans with blood. And as you said, uh, we begin to bang on the, on the, on the, on the floor and, and yell and, you know, put our cups on the bar and say, look, man down, man down. The cop took 30 minutes that was in the cage. We're locked down, so there's nothing going on. That guy died probably a day later because somebody simply, and I, I say that to you, Beth, and, and as well, uh, our this culture of cruelty. Uh, it's just, it's mind-blowing. One of our other hosts will have something to to talk to you ladies about. Dave, go ahead.
4: So when we were at uh, Florence Camp, the federal camp, there was an inmate, uh, his name was Sal, and I had talked to him every day and he started getting sick. Well, he got so sick, he couldn't get out of bed, he couldn't feed himself, he couldn't take himself to the restroom. And when he went to medical, medical said, oh, he's faking. The guards said he was faking. He was having seizures where half his body was bruised because he was um, falling out of bed into the floor. Uh, He bit off part of his tongue. He's faking. He's faking. When they finally got medical to see him and took him to an outside medical facility, they found out he had a brain tumor. They still Mm. said he was faking after the doctor said he had a brain tumor and said they won't allow the doctor to treat it. The one good thing is it was an outside doctor, and he said, he's my patient now. We're going to treat it. But the problem is, is they, that he still died while he was in prison. They put in for compassionate release. Everybody approved the compassionate release except the warden for the prison. It was just horrible. It was, it was a, a disgusting uh, situation because he didn't even recognize me before they took him to the hospital. And we had talked every day. He didn't know who I was, but he was faking so you see that there's such a cruelty out there that everything an inmate does they're faking, they're trying to get over, they're trying to do all of this and nothing changes. The the COs, they don't care. They if an inmate fell and died, if they wouldn't get in trouble, that inmate would rot right there. That's no, right. Question. Your your thoughts on that, Beth? Uh it's, you
14: know, I you you were i mean not not to bring it back to uh to boring law stuff but uh you know i was just thinking about how the, you know he had requested compassionate release from the bureau of prisons um and so there's you can request it from the bureau of prisons and then when they ignore you or they deny you which they almost always do then you can try to request it from your sentencing judge but it used to be that you that you could never go to your sentencing judge and the law was changed to allow People in prison to ask their sentencing judge for a reduction in sentence that was changed, because the BOP never let anyone out, and there were so many stories um, about similar to what happened to Sal, where people were extremely ill, extremely sick, begging the BOP to let them out, let them die with a shred of dignity, with their families around them, and the BOP denied it, Um, and it just happened over and over again. So this is just common. I mean, it, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about the culture. The culture is just it's it's normalized to some degree in Bureau prisons that this is what people would be subjected to. No,
0: no, it's, I mean it's really. Know, go ahead, I'm sorry.
14: Yeah, I just wanted to add
10: that you know, people really the public did not understand the the depth of what was going on when we when when blacks were being beaten in the streets by police, et cetera, et cetera until the media started picking it up until they could see on the news where uh, people were being hosed down with water hoses and dogs set on them. And when when the public could see what was really happening, that's when change happened. And so I I believe, and when you want to talk about how do we fix this, how do we change things? We must advocate for those inside of those walls to have video cameras and things like that so they can show the public what's really happening. Because until... The public can actually see and and have some empathy and not just look at people as criminals. They're going to think they deserve to be there. They just have no idea what's going on. We can talk until the cows come home. But let me tell you something. There's nothing like, like we heard that tape that you just played a few minutes ago and heard everyone banging and crying and screaming. That's what the public need to see. They need to see someone getting beat up. They need to see someone sick and not getting help. Then... They're going to have
0: an outcry. That's what we need. Oh, absolutely right. And I love, and Beth, both points well taken. We had a situation, uh, one of these shows, there was a sergeant um, who was killed in custody by the name of Sergeant James Brown. Um, this is a veteran that basically turned himself in, I believe, for the weekend. Uh a DUI or, or some type of charge along those lines he left that county jail in a body bag again mm. going back to i'm going to play the clip for you ladies want to get your thoughts on the other side of this clip let's play it.
15: this is Dabu 7 sharing with you footage newly released footage here Of the dying moments of an active duty soldier who checked himself into an El Paso jail a few years ago for a DUI. He was supposed to serve two days. As you guys can see in this footage, he was pulverized by these police. And after yelling 20 times, he could not breathe. This is the end result. He lay unresponsive. Eyes not moving. And they wrote this up as he died. Look how they treat him. They wrote this up as he died from sickle cell or something like that. The family outraged, saying he died because of his care in their hands. So, Sergeant James Brown, rest in peace, brother. The family absolutely appalled and you can see him gasping for air there and they cover his face that is one of the worst parts about it but once again without this footage this would be swept under the rug nothing would be done about it and this just goes to show this man was alive he was not fighting them and he ends up dead
0: Sergeant James Brown, one who fought for this country and took an oath to protect it, leaves the jail after we have on the story, it goes he was struggling to breathe. He asked the deputies, could he please get a little bit of water? They denied him that. On the video that's played a bit about Sergeant Brown and his death, they show him die on camera. And again, this show has really troubled us. It should trouble every listener across this country. Something as Anala alluded to, until we bring this information in the wall. There's no editing or censoring anything here because this is what's really happening. Dennis, uh, you're you're a veteran the service. When you heard that story, I remember when the show, and ladies, I'm going to get your thoughts after we get Dennis's comments on this. What does that do to you?
5: Uh, It it really hurts because when you think about it, you know, when you join the military, a lot of people don't understand, especially, especially when you're you're deployed uh, in a wartime situation. It can, it, it can, it can truly mess you
0: up. Uh, but the thing is, you know, that I like to to put out there. First of all,
5: thanking our guests. I mean, truly appreciate all your input. But you're right. I mean, if, if we don't, if there's no accountability. and and I think that's the biggest problem even when we do have video even
0: when we can show that you know it was cruel and and unusual punishment if no one's held accountable we can't fix it until someone until we say okay you can't do that you don't have the authority to, to treat people like that until there's a consequence, meaning that, okay, we're going to put you in prison. We're going to take away your freedom. We're going to find you. We're going to charge you. Until those things happen, we're going to continue to see stuff like this and hear stuff like this. Because man in himself, when you give them that power, instead of using it the right way, they go extremely left right, and in most time it's left no question, Beth, your thoughts on that um, um
14: no it's uh you know it was just so troubling I mean it was a just have such a bright light taken
1: mm-hmm.
14: unnecessarily um, and you know I think we hear about that we hear about these deaths in prison all the time and um I, you know, I think it's just so important to not let this be forgotten, not ever let it be swept under the rug, and and to keep these names alive um, because the public needs to know, and we all need to know what's happening to people in custody and how poorly they're treated.
0: Absolutely right, Anala.
14: I just wanted to say that
10: you know, the gentleman said that even when you have a video, no one is paying any attention. No one cares. And you know what they care about when they get the video? They want to know, well, what were they doing with the phone? So what they do is start to prosecute the person who took the video versus looking at what happened to the individual in the system. That's why I say that the laws need to change. Number one, allow people to have video so that they can legally take a video of what's really happening inside those prisons. Because what they do is they focus on the fact that the person had a a phone when they weren't supposed to have one. And that has been one of the problems.
0: Well, without question, the phone isn't the issue at that point. It captured a crime. That's and right. an abuse of power. And uh, that's what needs to be looked at. Let me, let me say very sincerely from AJC radio, uh, we're going to be respectful of you ladies time. Uh, Beth, I'd like you to give a closing remark. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? You are in the trenches. Both of you ladies are. And let me tell you, very seldom, and this is sad to say, do you come across advocates that are truly about the people? I have no doubt in my mind from this conversation tonight uh, that you ladies fit that mold. You guys care about people. And we need more advocates that are about the people and not themselves. And I, I salute you tonight from AJC Radio, our entire team, thanking you for taking time out of your schedule to bring such a clear perspective uh, to this topic. Beth, I'll start with you and go ahead,
4: please.
14: Um, uh, I can be reached um, at eblackwood at nacdl.org if anyone has a question about compassionate release um, or is looking to apply or have a family member apply for compassionate release. We'd love to be able to help you. Um, and, you know, I would just like to say to, to the families of people who are incarcerated or to people who are incarcerated, I hope they know there is. Uh, a, a large group of people fighting in the trenches every day, advocating for them, trying to change the laws, and trying to get people out of cages, and that they're not forgotten.
0: Thank you so much for that, Beth. Hold on, Anala. Let me—I'm going to actually quote you, Anala, on this book: uh, "Screaming from the Inside." If I get anything wrong, please let me know. "Screaming from the Inside: Incarcerated Women and the Journey to Awakening" by Anala D. Writing this book helped me to reshape the narrative that had been written ages ago about my ancestors and allowed me to transform pain into power. Screaming from the inside is not your typical go-to-prison book and learn about God. In this book, you will find yourself checking your moral compass and the taking of a careful look at the world that you have been creating. You will laugh and cry. Beyond that, you will learn a vital truth at every turn. You will begin to realize that we are greater than the journey. Moreover, you will learn that within your lives, you conquer, and you are the conqueror. Screen from inside unpacks the knowledge that may allow you to release the power that is within us, but because of the untrained mind, we have allowed the illusions of this world to hide such power in the shadows. So sit back, open your mind, and read about the journey that shifted pain into power for me. It is my heartfelt desire uh, that after you read this book, you will see from within then you too will scream from the inside as the truth has always been present. And that is for Anala D. Anala, couldn't say it better. Uh, Thank you for your (laughs) words there, folks. Go out and get this book. I'm telling you, uh, it's a must-read. It's not, well, let's think about it. No, it's a must-read. It shapes us and helps us. Alana, your closing starts, please.
10: Thank you very much for for that uh, excerpt from my book. If you need to reach us uh, with the NIA, you can reach us at uh, joinnia.com. We are advocating to help people. Some people that we know are are in the prisons for a long term. We advocate to get you free, but more than that, we help you learn how to survive there by helping you to file your grievances and other things that you might need to file so that your family members can stay safe and i just like to thank the thank the this radio station for allowing us to be allowing me to be here tonight on behalf of nia we appreciate you, you keep, keep so up much. the good work
0: thank you so much and you ladies do the same you guys have an ally at ajc radio just cause organization We will be in touch, and let's come together if we can. But the more advocates that come together, uh, hopefully the better the message will be. We'll be in touch offline, and let's keep each other up, hold each other up, and uh, reach out to make a difference in this nation. We appreciate you guys so much.
10: Thank you. we Will do. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, there you have it an eye-opener, if you will, that really triggers something that needs to be done. A very special thanks to Beth Blackwood and Nala D. This is something that we need to definitely pay attention to. Folks, we're going to take a quick break as we get ready to close this show out tonight. Without raising our voice, and you raising your voice, and becoming involved with these issues, nothing's going to change. Together, we can make a difference. This is Agency Radio. We'll be right back. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with, especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today one 529 4252 We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight, as we have, again, as I stated earlier, uh, have walked down a road today of unfamiliar ground, yet too familiar. The abuse of power in the criminal justice system, in America's prisons, county jails, too many lives have been lost prior to COVID-19. We earnestly address our governors our executive directors of the Department of Corrections to be held accountable for the abuse that is allowed under their watch. Something has to be done. Clint, we wanted to get to your point, one point that was clear about um, accreditation.
5: Make that point, please. Yes, uh, we know that just like hospitals and any other public institution, that these uh, institutions have to be certified and accredited, inspected, and then get a certificate to operate in the state that they operate in. And with all these conditions of squalor and everything else, how do they stay accredited? It's a big farce, and that needs to change uh, in the industry. And and perhaps uh, with our advocates, we can address that issue as well. Absolutely. Thanks, Clint, for that.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio again, searching to bring the message of justice all around the world. We are committed to finding injustice and exposing that injustice on every turn. Uh, again, we're going to be back here next Thursday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're dealing with a topic that uh, is close to home. We'll get into that next week. But again, call your friends, call your family. This, this broadcast is, is on at agencyradio.com. It's archived. You can listen to the show. Tell your friends to go out there and listen to this. This is important critically important and a very special thanks to Anala D, as well as Beth Blackwood uh, and I can assure you if you folks are still listening to Anala, uh, we will have your books where they can be found the link to that website talking about the book will be posted on our website at AJCRadio.com and as well Beth Blackwood also we will post contact information for you connected to this show that people might reach out for resources that are available. Until next time America, this is AJC Radio saying good night. Take care.